0: Hello there, and welcome to the Hawk Fanatic Mailbag Podcast. I am your host, Rob Howe. We are recording this on February the 10th, 2021, almost 11.30 a.m. Central Time. A little earlier today, have to juggle some things. Uh, earlier basketball game tonight, the Hawkeyes play host to Rutgers at 6.30 p.m. Central Time at Carver Hawkeye Arena. Hawks trying to end a two-game game Losing streak and uh, have lost four out of five, as most of you listening probably know. Um, Not a good patch right now. Um, Looking for inspiration, Rutgers had lost five in a row and is now on four in a row, coming in on a four-game winning streak. So uh, we've seen that through with most of the teams this season in the Big Ten, um, with the exception of Michigan, which has been shut down now for several weeks. Uh, or at least a couple weeks, and won't be back in action again until this coming weekend, I believe. But uh, the uh, Wolverines are 8-1, and one, uh, really haven't had a chance to have a skid yet, so to speak. Uh, but that's still possible. We'll see how they return. Illinois has got it going again after a, a rough patch. Wisconsin's kind of been up and down. So uh, all is not lost for the Hawkeyes. Uh, probably at 7-5 and five in the conference, it's going to be – Uh, Very, very difficult to end the 40-plus year uh, drought of Big Ten regular season championships. But as I wrote in a column on the website, that I, the other website that I work for, uh, go, go to my Twitter feed at Rob How HN. You, you can find my column there. Uh, as some of you know, that are listening to this, my, uh, my work situation is a little goofy. Um, I do podcasts for Hawk fanatic and write for a different website, uh, that covers Hawkeye sports and then also work for your prep sports and some other <laughs> avenues. Uh, it's just kind of the nature of, uh, journalism right now. Uh, Jobs are not easy to find and, uh, I'm kind of spread out, but that's okay too. I like the diversity of, uh, coverage. So anyway, um, not a lot of questions this week from you guys. I've noticed kind of with this basketball, um, with these basketball struggles, uh, just overall, uh, there's been, uh, uh. Some uh, doesn't seem like just kind of seems like people are apathetic, um, and that's not good. That's never good. We saw that during the Steve Alford era, I think, when uh, apathy was uh, kind of rampant during too many years when he was here. But uh, it seems like that's kind of settled in now, and people are kind of on a wait and see. There's not going a lot going on with football right now, so. Not a lot, really, to ask me or comment on, but we do have some people in the queue right now. Um, and I should mention, uh, from a news standpoint, uh, we found out today, Wyoming, University of Wyoming confirmed that uh, reports uh, from Tuesday, uh, February 9th, that uh, Iowa offensive line coach Tim Polisak, who came to Iowa in 2017 from North Dakota State as its offensive coordinator coach iowa's offensive line uh has chosen to go to the university of i or uh, wyoming excuse me with his former boss boss at north dakota state craig Bull, and become uh the wyoming offensive coordinator and quarterback coach uh that was announced by wyoming today um and that will uh kind of lead us into some of these questions here. Uh, Dan Brockett at Freakademic on, uh, on Twitter uh, asked about 14 hours ago in reference to those reports, uh, have you been able to confirm the departure of Derek Foster and Tim Polishek? Um, well, we have now, Dan, <laughs> Paul Cech is gone. The Derek Foster one's interesting. It was reported last week that he was going to be the running backs coach for the Los Angeles Chargers. That has not been confirmed yet. Th- op- things operate a little bit differently in the NFL when they release these things and uh, try to finalize contracts and different things like that. Things move a little bit quicker. And it seems like in the, in the college co- coaching ranks and are a little bit more fluid and uh, you hear about maybe somebody leaving and, and quickly after that, it's confirmed But a little bit different in the NFL sometimes, but um, it has been confirmed. As I said, that Tim Polishek, uh, after four years as uh, Iowa's offensive line coach is now the offensive coordinator, quarterback coach uh, in Laramie. So we wish coach Polishek well, good guy, good recruiter, um, kind of an up and coming coach. This is uh, you no, know, it's a chance for him to be a – he was a coordinator at an FCS school, offensive line coach at a Power 5 school, now offensive coordinator at a group of five schools. So you can kind of see where his career path is headed. So we wish him the best. Um, Dan's second part of his first question is, any rumors at what direction they're looking for replacements? Uh, I think this is pretty fresh, and I will go through the recruiting process. I have not heard any names yet. You look at some guys that, uh, you know, with Iowa ties, that's usually where people first go or or first kind of think about when they're thinking about replacements at Iowa. But um, I'm thinking Brian Ferentz and LeVar Woods or Kevin Bell. So there's three guys that played at Iowa that are on the staff, but um, it's not like a prerequisite, but I think it's just human nature and natural for us to say, Hey, you know, who are the guys out there that have experience that, uh, have been, you know, um, at Iowa or have, you know, played at Iowa or Iowa ties, what have you. Um, From an offensive line coach standpoint, A.J. Blazik, uh, who was on Coach Ferentz's early teams, uh, he's been kind of working his way up the ladder. He was at Rutgers a few years ago uh, as offensive line coach. Then he was offensive line coach at North Dakota State. Then this offseason he was going to be the offensive line coach at Wyoming. Um, and then uh, ironically enough, and then chose to go with former Hawkeye walk on quarterback David Rye with Vanderbilt. So now AJ Blazik just took the job as offensive line coach at Vanderbilt. Would he now move again to take the Iowa position? <laughs> Maybe. Um, but I, I I, I that's that one's gonna that one's a little dicey, or um, it would just be weird that he took the Wyoming job, then took the Vanderbilt job, now takes the Iowa job within like a month and a half span. Uh, it's coaching, so things you know are unpredictable, and I really I don't know how um, I don't know how eager um, AJ is to work at his alma mater. Um, I'll probably try to reach out to him and maybe even talk to him off the record, but I think he seems pretty happy with the move to Vanderbilt, um, and working with David Rye they, they were together at Iowa, um, you know, and have remained friends. So that might be, you know, you know, fresh staff down there, younger staff, uh, that may be where, um. He feels most comfortable, but you never know. But he's definitely a name that I think you look at right away and say, "This is a guy who's coached offensive line at a power five level, and you know, on various levels, uh, and certainly is qualified." He would be a great get for Iowa if it was able to get him. But kind of see how that goes. He was not hired. Um, I think he had just been hired at Rutgers back in 2017 when when Brian Ferentz became the offensive coordinator and the opening came for offensive line coach at Iowa which was eventually filled by Tim Polischek. I think I remember talking to AJ about that and uh he said he was just to he had just taken the job at Rutgers and um you know, he didn't feel right about jumping to into the mix at Iowa. So just something to think about there. I would bet against it being A.J., but it certainly would not shock me or surprise me if that, it ended up being him. Uh, you look around, um, Jerry Montgomery's defensive line coach with the Packers. Doesn't make a ton of sense. Bill Ennis-Inge is a special teams coordinator in Indiana maybe, I don't know if he would want to make that move to be an offensive line coach. He's a coordinator, albeit with special teams in Indiana. Indiana's a, got it going pretty well right now. I'm trying to think of some other guys with, with Iowa ties out there that uh, could possibly jump in. But those are the guys you kind of look at, Dan, guys that with Iowa ties, and then beyond that, I mean, you look at it when Derek Foster and Kelton Copeland and Tim Polishek were hired at Iowa, there weren't a ton, there weren't really a lot of connection there. You know, Jay Neiman coming in and being, you know, the assistant defensive line coach uh, and, and you know, one of the recruiting uh, directors, coordinators with Iowa, he had the connection with his sons having played at Iowa. Um, but uh, not sure beyond that, um, you know, I think, like I said, I think our natural default mechanism is to say who are the former Iowa guys, but it's opened well beyond that. And Kirk usually Kirk Ferentz usually interviews quite a few people to try to find the right fits. I think Tim Polishek was a great fit at Iowa. Um, and like I say, I wish him well. So kind of early on right now, Dan, to, uh, to um, come up with names because you know like I said I think we just look at the Iowa guys with connections first and then broaden beyond that I think I don't think I I don't remember hearing like Polishek Derek Foster and and Copeland's names bandied about much until they were announced as hires so that's kind of we may not hear a lot about this especially with uh with the pandemic and everything being Zoom and probably a lot of these interviews being conducted via zoom i'm not sure we'll hear some names i think but i wouldn't you know unless it's like a quick you know aj blazek hire i think this could take a little while i don't think there's really a rush i was pushed back it's spring um uh spring practice schedule back almost all the way into April. There's not a ton going on with recruiting right now. I don't think there's really an urgency to fill those spots right now or spot with Polishek and spot we anticipate with Derek Foster if that report comes true. So kind of have to see and wait how that plays out. Dan asks, also, also, can you discuss the search in general terms? It seems to me that this is an interesting search. They not only need a coach who can recruit with good regional ties and someone who gets the football culture, they need someone who gets the changes they are making. Uh, Yeah, I agree, Dan. This is a little bit different than previous hires just because of the transition that's going on, you know, we're hoping for more inclusiveness in the Iowa football program than was previously happening uh, before last summer. So yeah, that's a, that's a big component of what they're trying to do here. And in conjunction with that, in relation to that point, they're going to have to convince coaches that they are making that a coach doesn't want to come into a situation and say, you know, do you guys have, do you guys have problems here? Is there problems with recruiting because of this racial bias story? What am I getting myself into? I mean, Iowa is an attractive job, but are they going to be able to hire an experienced coach who trusts that the necessary changes are being made and that they're not up against it in terms of recruiting? um, and other aspects of the job, or are they going to have to hire somebody maybe who's, you know, down a couple rungs in terms of experience, somebody that they have to beat the bushes for a little bit more. That's willing to take the risk. Um, that's part of, I think, this search that makes it really interesting, Dan, is that, you know, how does this all shake out in terms of who's interested and what type of information? Because, the coaching fraternity it is about networking, so there's going to be, you know, whoever a candidate might be for the Iowa coaching positions, assistant coaching positions, they're going to, you know, ask, I, they're going to ask Coach Ferentz and the other assistants what it's like, uh, what's the environment like, what's the landscape like, what's it like recruiting. Um, And all those things, but they're going to go beyond that they're going to go beyond like, maybe they could ask somebody at Minnesota, or somebody at Wisconsin or somebody at Illinois or Nebraska and say, Hey, what are you what are you hearing in terms of what it's like for the Iowa coaches out on the recruiting trail right now? What are you hearing in terms of what it's like coaching in that building right now? Um, how much of an impact did last summer have? How much is it still having on the program? These are all questions that these assistant coaches or prospective assistant coaches coming into Iowa are going to ask, and uh, it'll be fascinating to see how this plays out and what type of uh, candidates they're able to get. And another dynamic to that, Dan, is the head coach is 65. Um, he's in great shape. He's in better shape than me, and I'm 53. Um, but also you have to ask yourself, you know, he's made a ton of money. He's secure. He doesn't do He's not doing it for the money. Um, how long is he going to do it for? I mean, I know he said he wants to do it for whatever a four year plan, but um, you know, that's important in recruiting too. When you're going out and trying to recruit kids that are coming to a university where the head coach is 65, that question is there. You have to deal with, is he going to be there for my four or five years on campus? So that's another layer and dynamic to this, you know, to this story. And and, and what's, what's, you know, who's going to replace place him? Is it, the, is the, um, are we looking at it as Brian Ferentz is going to be Kirk Ferentz's replacement? Who will it be? Is it somebody else? Is it that they change the whole coaching staff? All of those questions are going to be asked not only from, Perspective assistant coaches, but recruits that all ties together and that all plays into what this search is going to be like. So I appreciate those questions, Dan insightful as always, hopefully I gave you insightful answers. Uh, e at NBA underscore fan 2014 or underscore 2014. What chances do you give of the team making the tournament? Okay, we're flipping the basketball now with E, who is at NBA underscore fan underscore 2014 of making the tournament, and will CJ be back for it if they do, if they make it, how far do they go? That last part is probably the hardest uh, uh, question to answer, E, just because I I don't – it's hard – just from a general standpoint not knowing where they're seated not knowing who they're you know who's in their bracket um this team is talented enough to go deep at least into the second weekend perhaps beyond um but it's got to play like that we've seen it capable of playing like that um and I know I'm sure there are people listening to this podcast that think I'm nuts uh there's a lot of negativity surrounding the program right now you know that it's another you know, mid to late season collapse, all these other things that are going on, all these other narratives that are out there. I just try to look at this and focus strictly on this particular team and what it's capable of doing. It has a national player of the year, most likely favorite to win that award uh, with talent around him. You know, do you, Joe, Joe Wieskamp's averaging whatever, 15 and eight in the Big Ten He's starting to play better now. Jordan Bohannon is, is a proven commodity. Uh, C.J. Frederick is a good uh, – that's a good point. I think his absence is being undervalued. I think his absence is a lot bigger than people see. Chad Leistakoff, my friend that works at the Cedar – or uh, Cedar Rapids. Des Moines Register at hawkcentral.com wrote an interesting piece on – just kind of numbers and statistics of what Iowa looks like the last two years without CJ. Um, I looked this up from my column the other day. In the last two seasons, when he's been limited or out of the lineup, Iowa is four and eight. Um, So that shows you just from a win-loss standpoint, how big of an impact he has. And there are other dynamics to that, you know, who were they playing at what point and things like that. But numbers don't lie. I mean, Iowa's won four and lost eight of the 12 games where he's been limited or out of the lineup. So obviously that's impactful in terms of, will he be back? I think he will. He is dealing with an injury I've had before. Um, you know, Iowa basketball has chosen not to release it. Um, it, I, I think people are starting to figure out what it is. Um, And maybe I'll talk about it more on the podcast, the Hawkeye hotspot podcast with with Scott tomorrow. Um, I feel comfortable with the person who told me what the injury is or or the people that I've heard it from. But uh, it's a foot injury that just kind of is really unpredictable. You can wake up one day and... It's really painful, and it loosens up as the day goes on. There are days where it starts to loosen up, but the pain remains. It's really – when Fran McCaffrey says this is day-to-day with CJ, he may have looked really good at practice yesterday, Tuesday, February 9th. He gets up today, game day, February 10th, with Rutgers game at 6.30. It's feeling like, okay, I'm working I'm, – I'm moving in the right direction. It's loosening up. I'm feeling better. Um, and then he gets out there for pregame warm-ups, and it tightens up on Again, so it's really just kind of a hour to hour beyond the day to day of what he 's having to deal with here, so um, we'll just have to wait and see I mean it's going to be I mean he could end up playing tonight and not playing against Michigan State Saturday he could play both games and then miss next week I mean it's going to be a situation where how much pain he can handle and that pain is going to be unpredictable so I think he plays. Um, Again, this season, it's going to be really hard to predict when and how much. So I know that's a little bit vague. And like I said, maybe I'll talk about that more. People that are familiar with these foot injuries probably can put, connect the dots here and get, have a pretty good guess of what this injury is. Um, but this team will, I mean, your initial question, will this team, um, what chances do I give this team of making the NCAA tournament? It's in the NCAA tournament. It's going to win enough here. What's it got? eight games left it goes four and four it's in and I think it'll go four and four I mean it still has Penn State and Nebraska at home Penn State's not a layup but that's a team you should beat at home Nebraska you lose to them at home you don't deserve to be in the tournament um and then they have Rutgers tonight uh you know still have opportunities at Ohio State and Michigan Wisconsin still has to come to Iowa City so yeah I mean I Nothing shocks me in sports anymore, E, but I would be pretty darn surprised if Iowa doesn't make the NCAA tournament. That said, it needs to get at minimum above that seven seed line that we've seen it at, you know, in recent years where it's playing just a too tough of an opponent in that second round with, you know, barring an upset to be able to advance. So keep an eye on that. Uh, seeding is important. Who you play not where you play is important this year because the tournament's all in the Indianapolis area. So that's not as big a deal, you know, getting shipped to Seattle or Brooklyn or something like that. This is more who's in your bracket and who you have to play. Um, If you could avoid, avoid Gonzaga or Baylor as long as possible, that would be ideal because those teams I think are on a different level. Anybody else, if they're in your bracket, I think Iowa can match up with in the postseason. I wrote about this in the column the other day, too, and I know people think it's making an excuse. I think when Iowa gets out of Big Ten play where the scouting reports aren't so in-depth on what they do and teams don't know each other so well, that benefits Iowa. And then the play in the Big Ten sometimes works against Iowa. Iowa is a team that likes freedom of movement in half-court offense, a lot of clutching and grabbing and – You know, banging is allowed in the Big Ten that sometimes limits that freedom of movement. Um, And I think that hurts Iowa sometimes in terms of the flow of its offense. That and C.J. Frederick, because I think the offense works much better with him in there. He moves the ball. He's a good passer. He's got a mid-range game. He can drive. He's he's 50% from three. All of those things. He plays defense. It's a big loss. So let's hope we get to see a lot more of him uh, moving forward. Thank you for the question, E. As always, always appreciate you checking in. Uh, Hawkeye Guy at Hawkeye underscore IC on Twitter has several questions here. Uh, Billy Bill Connolly's preseason SP plus rankings have Iowa football as the number one defense going into 2021. How much depth needs to de- be developed for that to be realistic? Um, I kind of know who Bill Connolly is. He's, he's an ESPN uh, analytics guy he leans a lot on analytics um, and you guys want to I won't bore you with it uh, with the formula on uh, this podcast but if you go to ESPN you can look up Bill Connolly and he shares kind of what his formula is for putting these together uh, he does it for various areas he runs analytics for various components to college football and I looked he does have Iowa number one the number one defense um, I, don't know, I had this let me see. Yeah, I got it right here. Uh, he has Iowa as the number one, his number one defense and 51st ranked offense. By comparison, he's got Alabama as his fourth ranked defense and fourth ranked offense. Uh, you go down the list, Iowa State, he has as 15 on defense, six on offense. Wisconsin, two on defense, 36 on offense. So he sees um, Wisconsin one spot behind Iowa defensively, but 15 spots ahead of Iowa offensively. Penn State, he's got six defense, 29 offense. Um, Michigan, he's got 27 defense, 32 offense. Just going through uh, Iowa's first opponent of the year, Indiana, he has 31 defense, 33 offense. Nebraska, 19 defense. Wow. And looks like 43 offense. Minnesota, 48 defense, 20 offense. Just give you an idea of some of the um, – how he views some of these. But in in answering your question, uh, Hawkeye, uh, I think you can pretty much just look at um, what Iowa loses and then figure out where the development needs to happen. Defensive line, very experienced in the secondary. So, you know, losing Ben Neiman and – didn't have Jaimon Colbert this past fall because he opted out, but still, he's he, you know he's out of the mix now. And with Nick Neiman out at linebacker, I may have said Ben before that. I apologize. The Super Bowl is still on my mind, but um, pulling those guys out, I think I really like the potential of Jack Campbell. Um, uh, I think Seth Benson had proved that he's capable of playing linebacker in the Big Ten at a at a productive level. Um, but then beyond that at linebacker, there are a lot of question marks, uh, but defensive line, you lose Chauncey Goldstein, Davion Nixon, and Jack Heflin, three of the four starters um, for the, I, I believe for the third straight year, Iowa's lost three or four starters on the defensive line. So at least three or four starters, I think three years ago, it may have been all four starters, but at this point, um, it, may, it may catch up with them because a lot of these younger guys Really have no experience, you know, Heflin came in last year, um, you know, after whatever, four years at Northern Illinois, three or four years at Northern Illinois, you had Davion Nixon, who kind of was a, you know, he was a junior college guy, then he kind of worked his way into the rotation. Um, And then was able to kind of, you know, just explode this season. Chauncey Golston was the starter the year before. Van Valkenburg was a rotation guy. He comes back, which is nice to have, but who else is going to be able to bring pressure from the outside? And where do you get that push from the inside? Noah Shannon was in that rotation uh last year and and to a smaller extent the year before he's a guy that's probably gonna have to step up uh and, and play a major role is he ready he's been in the program now he should be uh you you talk about john wagner uh logan lee uh logan jones um who am i missing there are other uh uh Joe Evans there are a lot of guys there Joe Evans has some experience too so that's nice but can he be a three down defensive end um it'll be interesting to see how that defensive line comes together again you've got Kelvin Bell and and Jay Neiman two experienced coaches you know tutoring these guys so that is encouraging and, and gives you uh you know, confidence that they will get better. We'll see if they're able to hit the ground running week one against Michael Penix Jr. And then week two uh, with Brock Purdy. They're they're facing two really good quarterbacks right out of the gate. So there won't be any time for really a transition. They're going to have to be ready week one next next year. Uh, But that's the big – for me, for this defense to live up to what Bill Bill Connolly is projecting analytically – um, it's going to come down to the defensive line, which happens most years, but Iowa has had some really good experience on the defensive line in recent years, and you kind of knew what you had. I think this, is the, this year is the most unknown that we've seen in quite some time on Iowa's defensive line. So for me, that is the biggest question mark and where the most developed needs to, be hap- needs to happen. Hawkeye guy then asked if there's merit to these their departures, what would you grade the Derek Foster Polishek hires? I think both have been tremendous. I mean, I thought Iowa's offensive line got better during Polishek. I mean, you're talking about a guy who hadn't coached the offensive line, so there was going to be a, a learning curve there. But by this point, after four years, I thought Iowa played its best season on the offensive line this last year in 2020, even after losing. Tristan Wirfs, the Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, to the NFL Draft early. Um, I really thought he had it going. That's why his departure, I think, hurts the most. Um, but on the on you know looking, if you're looking at it on the bright side, you've got you know one of the I think most well respected offensive line coaches in the country in your head coach Kirk Ferentz. Brian Ferentz has experience coaching the offensive line, and that's kind of his area of expertise, so they'll be able to they'll be able to you know bridge that gap to whoever the new offensive line coach is. Um, and then Derek Foster, I think, has done a great job not only in tutoring running backs because uh, I think the running the running game was better this year with that combination of Polishek and Foster. I thought they finally got comfortable working together and took a step forward this year in both. Tyler Goodson helps you do that, obviously, and Mackay Sargent, talented running backs help. Uh, But Iowa has talent coming back at that position, led by Goodson next year. Um, And and I just kind of felt like they were kind of making those steps forward. I think both of those hires were really good. Um, We'll see what happens with Derek Foster, that, you know, that report was out there. It came from his home state of Alabama, uh, which leads me to believe that probably came someone closer to him family-wise so that leads me to believe that there's probably validity to that, and probably um, a likelihood that he does go out to L.A. with the Chargers. Uh, but until it's official, we we you know can keep that uh, keep hope alive that maybe he does come back. But you're going to be hiring guys that now are you know not only are you hiring guys that are going to be filled with guys that were that proven to be very good coaches at their positions, but guys who are good recruiters at the positions. And I talked about earlier with Dan Brockett's question, that's going to be part of the equation. Who do you bring in? Where is the recruiting? You know, where, where are there areas that they're comfortable recruiting? How does that jive with what Iowa you know is about and you know areas that Iowa has connections with. That's something to keep an eye on as well. But I, I liked both of those hires, um, guys that kind of were moving up the ladder when they got here um, and proved that they belong. And, and I, when that happens, I think those are good hires. And then lastly, Hawkeye asked two four seven sports rated Stanley Petrus Padilla and Deuce Hogan as three star players. The guy signed in 2021, Joey Labus, is rated as a four-star. What traits do you think make them grade Labus higher than the rest? That was Hawkeye, Hawkeye's uh, last question um, of three, and I appreciate you checking in with those questions, Hawkeye. Um, and that's Hawk, H-A-W-K-G-U-I, not Hawk I, but Hawk Guy. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, these rivals. I think didn't rivals have Hogan as a four, and maybe Padilla and Petrus as fours too. I know Stanley was a pretty sure Stanley was a three for both, but he was from a smaller school in Wyoming or in Wisconsin. Didn't do a lot of camps, things like that. So that plays into rankings, I think. Um, I guess I'll take this more of um, what I like about Joey Labus as opposed to maybe why they ranked him higher. Um, and again, I'm not sure what rivals had these guys ranked. So it couldn't be the other way where Labus is uh, maybe even if he's a four-star on rivals, he's not as ranked as high as a four-star as Hogan. It's, it gets convoluted and complicated, but um, – the point is, I, I think when you look at Joe Labus, he's a guy who uh, whose junior year was compromised by an injury. Um, and I think that helped Iowa be able to get in there and maybe um, not. And then the pandemic kept schools from, you know, maybe being able to evaluate him last spring if he went to camps. So that worked in Iowa's favorite. I believe he was. I was he? He was committed to Ball State or Miami of Iowa. He was committed to a max school before Iowa flipped him. Um, he, I like his film, and just he's kind of a. I don't know if I have a comp for him at for, at Iowa, but he's he's a good sized kid, got a good arm, can make the throws. I like his his ability to move and extend plays and and make plays off a of schedule. Um, I think those are some of his strengths. I wouldn't say. Um, He's, you know, I wouldn't look at him and say he's a better prospect coming out of high school than any of the other four guys that you mentioned, Stanley, Petrus, Padilla, Hogan. I think all of those guys are similar recruits coming out of high school. You can look at different offer lists. Um, you know, you look at Labus's offer list. But again, was that compromised by the pandemic and the injury? Yes. Would he have had more offers had those things not occurred? Most likely. Um, but Hogan and Padilla were offered by Georgia. So, you know, uh, and, and Georgia was you know willing to send a helicopter into Texas to try to impress Hogan enough to get him uh, to come to Athens. So the, the rankings are what they are. I don't know. I guess the, 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 you know, the foundation of your questions, what traits do I see that would make them rank him higher? I don't know. I have no idea what would make them rank him higher. I can just tell you that I think he's a similar recruit. They all have different strengths and weaknesses. And not, we don't. None of us know how they're going to adjust to college once they get here. And the only guy we've seen, well, we have sta- the ev- evidence of Stanley, but Petrus's truncated sophomore season, where you know spring ball and summer workouts and everything was disrupted or canceled, um, we saw what he was able to do this fall within that context. We don't know what type of progress he'll make this fall. Uh, we don't know what type of progress Hogan and Padilla made during the fall and what type of progress they'll make this spring. A lot of it comes down to who has the handle of the offense, who, who develops more. We saw this back with Jake Rudock was ahead of Bethard. Bethard caught up to him as he developed it'll be interesting to see kind of how these guys develop and who's able to make the greatest strides this spring and summer and then into the fall and how the coaches view that as well but I wouldn't say Labus is you know that that ranking there's something there that the others don't you know he's so far and away skill set wise, better than the other guys. I think you can put him in that same. I think all of those guys are really comparable with different strengths and strengths and weaknesses. And then at that point you just say, okay, this is the bloop or maybe this is the foundation or, you know, this is the starting point with these guys. You know, this is the uh, starter kit, so to speak with that pro set pocket guy how can they develop beyond that so that's kind of where we are hopefully that answered your question hawkeye i i don't know if it did but that's kind of it, it's kind of a i don't know a uh uh interesting way to approach that question just in terms of rankings but uh i think um, hopefully i was able to uh to answer it to the <laughs> that gave you some type of a picture of what Labus is like and how he compares to the other guys. I think that was the basis of your, I think that was the basis of your question, and I think that'll do it, guys. I don't think we have any more questions in the queue. I appreciate all you guys who have asked questions. Um, like I said, I'm trying to get to the point where I'll move this podcast to Tuesdays. Uh, we'll see. Uh, um, We'll see. Maybe next week. I I know I say that every week, but maybe next week be able to juggle this thing, uh, to a new, uh, a new day, just kind of a content flow, um, on our podcast. Like I said before I record this podcast the same day I record our seven nation podcast Thursdays is reserved for Scott Document and I from the athletic to do the hotspot podcast. So we'll see, maybe next week we'll change this. Just be on the lookout on Twitter. Uh, when I throw the, uh, the uh, tweet out there soliciting questions for this podcast and appreciate the guys that asked questions this week um, and every week and appreciate you guys listening to the podcast and we will be back next week, uh, hopefully talking about some more Iowa basketball victories uh, on the Hawk fanatic mailbag podcast. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.